If someone asked you, they kind of sought you out and they asked you, they said, you know, you go to that great church, Our Lady of Lords. So much is going on there. Surely you can tell me what the difference is between the Old Testament and the New Testament. How would you answer them? At RCIA or different places, I actually call on people for questions, and that's like the moment everybody reverts back to elementary school, and they're like, don't make eye contact with the teacher. Don't make eye He might call on you. What would you say? There's lots of different angles you could take to explain that. You know, you might say, well... Christ came in the New Testament, and so now we can eat pork. You know, we don't have kosher law anymore. You go with that. You could say, you know, in the Old Testament, God chose one nation. And now in the New Testament, through the Catholic Church, the universal church, salvation has come to everyone. That's actually one of the central themes of the entire New Testament. You could say that Jesus makes hints at this at the Last Supper, that through the sacrifice of Christ, you and I are now able, by the Holy Spirit, to love God from the inside out. So there's lots of different ways you could do it. Today in our second reading, if you were listening, one of my favorite chapters of the whole Bible is Hebrews chapter 9. And... Our author today, in our second reading, that's the question he's wrestling with. And at first, the the way he answers it is he's saying, well, in the Old Testament, you had this temple. In the Old Covenant, the temple is in Jerusalem. And the high priest goes in once a year and offers sacrifice to the center part of the temple. But in the New Testament, there's a new high priest and there's a new temple. And if you caught it, he says that Christ is our new high priest and the new temple is heaven itself. Now, the reason he says that is back in Exodus 25, when Moses gets the instructions about how to build the temple, he's told that it's based on the true temple of heaven. And so that's why in our reading today, it says Christ has entered not into a sanctuary, a holy place made with hands, a copy of the true one. Moses was told that his building would be a copy of the true temple. But Christ entered into heaven itself. So that's the initial kind of angle he takes. He says, you know, there's this old temple. Now we as Christians, there's, we have the full reality. The shadow has given way to what is real. But then he says something really fascinating. And the first time I encountered this line of thought was 11 years ago. And it was the first time I went to Spain. I've been twice. And I was walking on the Camino de Santiago And I had just finished my first year of seminary. And when you go on the Camino, it's good to bring just kind of one book. And I brought a book from Fulton Sheen. If you don't know about Archbishop Fulton Sheen, you really should. He's 
an amazing, amazing man. Uh, but he was an American bishop and priest. And Fulton Sheen wrote this book called The Priest is Not His Own. Don't you just love that title? The Priest is Not His Own. And in that book, one of the main points he makes is he says, he takes the same question. He says, what's the big difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? And Fulton Sheen says that in the, old, the main difference is that in the Old Testament, when a priest went to offer a sacrifice, he offered something external to himself. Priest and victim and sacrifice were two different things. But in Christ, they're the same. The priest is the victim. And I remember when I, as I walked across Spain and I was in the beginning of my studies for priesthood, doesn't that just tug at your heart? Doesn't it just say, wow, I want to be like that? Like, God, I don't want to give you something. I want to give you everything. And I want my sacrifice not to be some good things that I can give you some of my time or my money or my, my gifts. But I want to give myself. It's all over the New Testament. Romans 12.1, many of you probably know that passage. Paul says in Romans 12, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Right? We don't give something external to ourselves. We give ourselves. One of my favorite ways to illustrate this is in marriage prep. Everything comes back to marriage in the church, doesn't it? That's why my life sucks. No, just kidding. <laughs> I actually love my life. Way to go, Father Brian. Encourage vocations. Um, everything does come back to marriage, though. If you think about dating relationships, when you first start to really love someone and you're in a dating relationship, you give them things. I know, you know, guys might show up for a date and they'll bring flowers. Uh, I've, I've really struggled. I don't know what girls get guys because I haven't dated in like 15 years. So I, I don't know, like bourbon or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I like, so <laughs> I don't know. But you, you do that. When you love someone, you give them gifts. But as your love grows... Right? The deeper your, your love gets, what really happens is you want to give them not a gift, but you want to give them yourself. Which is what happens in marriage. Right? It's so powerful. That's why, for me, weddings are so emotional because it's so sacred. Because people aren't any longer giving things that are external to themselves. They're saying, I give you me. That's what's happening today in our readings. Right? In the Old Testament, God is doing that. God is like a very, and this is very biblical. God is a very smart, um, what would you call him? A wooer. Like he woos 
Israel. He, he brings his bride and slowly draws her to love him more deeply. And when we get to the New Testament, we've reached that point of the wedding. And Jesus shows us, no longer do I give you good things like the law and the prophets, but I give you myself. And the secret today, brothers and sisters, if you get this, you know, for so often it's, it's so easy in our faith to turn Catholicism into a system, to turn it into this idea where, Lord, if I give you my Sundays and for, for an hour, most churches, an hour, 15 of Lord's, if I give you that time on Sundays, if I try not to commit mortal sin, then I get heaven. That's not Christianity. Christianity is a marriage. It's where God has given us everything. He is no longer a priest who is separate from his sacrifice. They are the same thing. Earlier in that chapter, I want to read to you from Romans 9. Romans 9, 11 is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It says, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, he entered once for all into the holy place, which is the center of the temple, and here again it means heaven, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood. Sacrifice and victim and priest are no longer separate realities. And brothers and sisters, that means you too. I'm convinced of this. When, when mass is hard for you, when it's hard for you to go to mass and when you feel disengaged, it's not because the preaching's bad. It's not because the music's bad. It's not because there's screaming kids. It's because you're not giving yourself to God. It's because you think when you go to Mass, it's a spectator event. That Father Brian is up there offering the sacrifice of Christ, and I'll go and watch. That's not the Mass. Brothers and sisters, when you were baptized, you might not know this. When you were baptized, you were given a share in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Some of us are called to ordained ministry, and that's a different level of participation in that priesthood. But you have it if you've been baptized. What does a priest do? A priest offers sacrifice. In a few minutes, you know what we say every single Mass? Do you listen to the words of the Mass? Every Mass, the priest says, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. If this is not my sacrifice, alone at least. This is Jesus himself, priest and victim, offering himself to the Father in pure love and total surrender. And the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, brothers and sisters, is that you and I can say, me too. 
Lord, I don't just give you some of my time. I surrender my life. I make myself a victim with Christ. And that's, again, that's why we say in the Mass, through him, with him, and in him. When that moment of the Mass comes, all of us, the body of Christ, when you were baptized, you were made a member of the body of Christ. What does the body of Christ do? It sacrifices itself for the love of the Father. That's Christianity. That's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so God, right, do you fall into this? I know you do because I still do too. But you're, actually, many of you are better Christians than me. You don't believe that, but it's true. But how oftentimes do we fall into the trap of thinking it really is just about doing this set of things well? And if I do that well, then I'm a good Christian. Those things are all good. But God wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your soul. He wants you to love him the way that Christ loves the Father. That's our faith. It's all over the New Testament, but I wanted to... All these things connect. And I want to kind of draw us to a close today. This is why Christians view suffering differently than every other group of people on the planet. Jesus, out of love, sacrificed himself. And when you and I, if we suffer for, with, without love, if we suffer without love, it doesn't mean anything. You know, sometimes people will say, Father Brian, I suffered so I must get to heaven faster. Well, not if you're suffering without love. There's a big difference between someone who has a bad day and someone who offered up their sufferings because they loved God. St. Paul says this. This is Colossians 1.24. I know this is kind of heavy today, but isn't that like every week? Let's be honest. St. <laughs> Paul in Colossians 1.24 says this. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's sufferings for the sake of the body that is the church. Paul understands that that mystery of Christ, priest and victim, is lived out in and through him. And that's why Paul can say, I rejoice in my sufferings. So today, brothers and sisters, God wants you to follow the rules, but what he wants even more is he wants you. And today, as you go through this Mass, when we say the words of, of our prayers, Jesus, Lord, we want to offer not something external, but as you go to the cross, Lord, we offer ourselves through you, with you, and in you.